Let's take our Bibles this afternoon, turn with me if you would to the book of Luke chapter 17, Luke chapter 17. How many of you still had an appetite by the time you actually got to your potato after all the toppings? Did you even eat your potato? Just bacon? Anyway, it smelled wonderful, didn't it? Tasted better. Luke chapter 17. I liked how Pastor Scott uh, queued up Mrs. Scott to play piano while he was thanking people. It made it all the more dramatic. You notice that? I thought that was pretty, that was well thought out, Pastor Scott. Impressed. Luke chapter 17 is where we are this afternoon. Um, here, as we look at Luke 17, we uh, what time period are we talking about? What's happening? Jesus is on his way back to Jerusalem uh, for the last time uh, during his earthly ministry. He's been crisscrossing Israel, preaching the kingdom of God, uh, doing many miracles, more than can be counted or recorded for us, healing many people. He was casting out demons. He was showing compassion uh, upon people and sympathy and being tender and merciful. He was also speaking uh, very firmly. Uh, concerning judgment and hell and punishment for sin. He was really proclaiming the full counsel of God as he was preaching to the people of Israel, reminding them of their necessity to look to him as their savior and as their redeemer. Uh, Some people were trusting him, others were rejecting him. And so in Luke chapter 17, we find Jesus outside of a small village. It's in the final months of his life here on earth. And he is heading to Jerusalem for the last time. Look with me at Luke 17. I'll begin reading in verse number 11. It says this, And it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. They lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass, as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back with a loud voice, glorified God, and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, Were there not ten cleansed? And where are the nine? They are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. And that word whole there is the Greek word sozo, uh, saved. So we get our salvation saved from that word. Let's pray together and we'll ponder this, this thankful leper. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us, I pray, as we look at your word, perhaps a familiar passage. Lord, I pray that you would help us as your people to be thankful, to be grateful, to worship and praise you. Lord, thank you for saving us um, from death and hell to come and from sin today. Lord, I pray that you glorify yourself as we study your word. Uh, Glorify yourself in our hearts, I pray. In Christ's name, I ask these things. Amen. Now, during this particular time of ministry, there were many healings. Uh, Jesus was healing many. He was doing many miracles. He was casting out many demons. And on many occasions, those who Jesus would heal 
would praise him and would actually thank him for what he had done. Not always, but many times people would thank him. And in this particular event, we find in this particular miracle that there are a group of ten men. Ten are healed of leprosy, but only one man returns um, to thank the Lord Jesus Christ, and only one man out of the ten is saved uh, by faith. Um, look with me, first of all, and I'll notice, uh, beginning in verse 11, I noticed there's this cry for mercy, and you might have noticed it. Look at verse 11 again. It says, And it came to pass, as he, Jesus, went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Now, remember, Samaria, the Samaritans are there. They're rejected by um, Israel, Israel as a whole, rejects would reject the Samaritans. Um, you know, I'm unaware during... Uh, I'm unaware of the Jewish people or any of their leaders ever denying the miracles that Jesus did or denying the power with which Jesus did miracles, or I'm, I'm unaware of them ever denying that Jesus was sympathetic or that he was compassionate. We see that here he's passing through Samaria. And notice in verse 12, there are 10 men who have leprosy. It says, and as he entered into a certain village, there met him 10 men that were lepers, which stood Afar off. Now I want to read to you a description of leprosy. Leprosy in in Bible times was often a punishment of God upon people. It is a, an illustration to us of sinfulness and how horrible sin is, um, even in our lives. Leprosy was a serious and a very contagious disease. It had no cure at that time. The severe type of leprosy was caused by a bacteria that attacked the nerves and the skin on the body of a human being. It, uh, the leprosy anesthetized or desensitized. It would actually cause a part of the body to go numb. And the limbs would, go, would lose their feeling to the point where they couldn't feel anything in that part of their body. And the potential, the problem with this was that the potential for serious injury became very, very high. If you brushed up against something or caught your arm on something, pain will stop us from ripping through something and causing damage to ourselves. But if you had leprosy, you might catch your arm on something, would never know you'd caught your arm, you'd just keep going. It would cause severe damage. And leprosy started, we're told, with a white patch of skin or a pink patch of skin usually on a person's head, their face, their eyebrow, their nose, their ear, their cheek, their chin, somewhere on their head. And this patch then began to spread in all directions. And a portion of the eyebrows would begin to disappear. Um, swellings would begin to take place, spongy, like tumor, tumorous swellings. And they would begin to grow all over the face, and then begin to descend all over the body, and it would attack the internal organs. And the fingers and the toes would begin to be absorbed into the body, literally absorbing themselves into the body because um, the term is uh, bacillus invading the bone marrow. And it would impair the blood supply, causing the bones themselves to shrivel and the rest of the body to shrivel as well. And because of the loss of feeling in the body due to the nerve disease, the victim would often destroy his own tissue because he could not feel, he could not sense. He was losing feeling. By the way, losing, becoming less sensitive is not a good thing in general. Becoming less sensitive. And it certainly wasn't in a physical sense here. 
And because they would have no feeling in certain parts of their body, they would destroy their eyes. By, you know, we, we, can, we can do this to our eye, and we know by our feeling how hard to push or how hard not to push. And often they would be blind. The, the uh, leprosy would penetrate their teeth, and their teeth would fall out, and it would penetrate all the bodily organs, and it would affect uh, their larynx so that they would wind up with a weak and raspy voice. And it was an awful disease, and it had absolutely no cure. In Bible times, the effect of leprosy was so severe and the potential for wiping out a population was so great that God in Luke chapters thir- or Leviticus chapters 13 and 14 actually laid down a prescription for what to do with people, maybe even a family member or people of your community who, who uh, became um, possessed with leprosy. And God had commanded the children of Israel, what he had commanded them to do is to put out of the camp Every leper. And so if your child had leprosy, you'd have, to, you'd have to send them away. Moms couldn't keep their child and care for them anymore. They'd have to say goodbye to their child and send them out of the camp and out of the home and out of the town. And it was a horrific, too horrific to leave the leper within the, with the healthy people. And God even used leprosy as punishment. The Jews had a reason that they saw it as a curse of God, and they did. Naaman was a leper by divine punishment. Uzziah was a leper by divine punishment. And there were many lepers in the days of Elijah and Elisha. And obviously there were still many lepers in the days of Jesus as well. And they were religiously defiled, these lepers. They were socially defiled in every way. They would have no family. They would have no job. They would have no friends. They would have no place to go worship the Lord, and they would have no hope. They were lepers. And really, lepers in that day were walking illustrations of sin and what sin does. And they were walking illustrations of divine judgment. It was a horrible life. It was a horrific life. And no wonder that when Jesus came to their village, these men in verse 12, cried out to him altogether. And you can just imagine with their voices weak, uh, being affected by the leprosy, they would have called out, but there would have been no strength to it, all ten of them, from a distance. And they knew they had to stay at a distance from everyone, but they saw him and they call out to him there in verse 12. Look again at verse 12. And as he entered into a certain village, they met him. There met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. Verse 13, it says, And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, with these raspy voices, Master, which means teacher, have mercy on us. And these ten men cry out for his mercy. They lifted up their voices, these weak and feeble voices, and they raised them and say, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And this was their only hope. There was no other hope. It didn't go away. You know, some of us have gone through the sicknesses that have been going around lately. Well, we know that it'll go away eventually, right? Um, you know you're going to get better eventually. But there was no getting better from leprosy. And there was no cure. There was no hope. This was their only chance. And Jesus just happens to be passing by, at least from their perspective. And they had no other way out of their dilemma. You know, the phrase there, have mercy on us, it, it recognizes that one party is very pitiful. The party who's calling out, have mercy on us. Um, 
Don't give us what we deserve. And it emphasizes that one part party is very pitiful. These ten men are very pitiful, and they're in this helpless condition, and they have to depend on someone who has superior power. And, you know, they believe that Christ was compassionate enough to hear them, and he was powerful enough to heal them. Now it, it's interesting. You have uh, you might have someone who's powerful enough to fix a situation, but he has no compassion. There might be individuals who could help in a situation, but they have no compassion. There might be others who have much compassion, but they don't have the ability. They're, they're willing, but they have no ability to, to fix the situation. Here in the Lord Jesus Christ, he is compassionate and he's powerful enough. And these men recognize that. So I see their cry for mercy. I also see there's a miraculous healing. Look at verse number 14. And when he and when he Jesus saw them, he said unto them, go show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. Why didn't, why didn't Jesus just say here, be healed? Or on another occasion, remember, he, he picks up some earth and he spits in it and he makes a, a mud and he applies it to a man's eyes. Um, why doesn't he just say, uh, take up your bed, right? And walk. You know, why, why does he say, go show yourselves unto the priest? Why didn't he just, why didn't he just say, be healed? Well, he's doing a couple of things here. Number one, I think he's testing their faith. Faith, as I've told you many times, is taking God at his word. He has spoken very clearly in his word. His Holy Spirit helps us understand what he has said. The Holy Spirit applies it to our hearts and our lives. Are we taking God at his word? Are we living by faith? Faith pleases the Lord. And so he's testing their faith. It may have been a weak faith or a shallow faith. I don't know how deep their faith was, but it was a it was a very good test. And secondly, I noticed, and I believe this, that Jesus was upholding the law of Leviticus chapter 13 and 14. And he tells these ten lepers, he says, go and show yourselves unto the priests. Why? Because the law of God required it. And they had to go to the priests. There were... Uh, where there were a rather long and involved protocol to go through. The priests were the health inspectors, and I'm glad pastors are not, don't have this role. And the priests, it, it was an eight-day process, and it could be repeated another eight days and another eight days, and it could even lead to necessary sacrifices. It, it could even take you all the way to Jerusalem to make those sacrifices before the priest would eventually pronounce you to be clean, and you could rejoin and so Jesus commands them to fulfill the obligation of the law. And, and they did not request, they did not question him here at all. The Bible says there in verse 14, it says, And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And this is an act of faith. There's no doubt about this. You know, there are often times in our lives where the Lord, we know what to do in a matter, but, but doing what God tells us to do, from a human perspective, does not seem like it's going to change anything. That I can remember um, some years ago with one of our children where we really didn't feel that spanking was changing anything. And we talked about it. And we openly, Cindy and I talked, is this working? 
And we, we talked between each other that it doesn't seem to be working. It's not getting through. And we talked about should we do other things? Not to say that there aren't other ways of punishment. But the Bible clearly leads us to for corporal punishment, spanking. And at the end of our conversation with one another, we both agreed, even though it doesn't seem to be working, we're going to keep doing it because God says to do it, and we're going to trust him. That's called faith. And, you know, faith is exercised in child-rearing. Faith can be exercised in giving. I don't, I don't know how this is going to work, but we're going to obey the Lord by faith. It can be, it's exercised in righteousness. You know, doing the right thing in the situation doesn't seem like it's going to make any kind of a difference. It's not doing, it's not doing anything. Oh, I'm doing what's right, but it's not doing anything. Maybe I should stop doing what's right in this, this situation. Maybe I should handle it another way. But no, faith says I'm going to do what Jesus Christ has told me to do. And, that, and these men, uh, they do exercise some sort of faith. It came to pass as they went, they were cleansed. Now, now I want to tell you something here. These men didn't want to go anywhere near the health inspectors. Do you understand that? They were lepers. <laughs> I mean, what were, the, what were the priests going to tell them? Get away from me? <laughs> go back where you came from? I mean, these men have had leprosy from some, for some time. We don't know how long or how much time or how long they've had leprosy. But they, they have leprosy. They're dying men. They're frankly dead to everyone. And they're just together in this small commune of men dying together. And they're not wanting to get together with the priests. And they're not, certainly not going to if they still have leprosy. It would have been like going to the health inspectors. And so in faith, they headed to the temple. And I don't know how many steps they went before all of a sudden something began to change. I wonder if they could, I wonder if they could feel it inside. I wonder if they didn't feel anything. And I wonder if one guy looked at the next guy and, you know, I don't know. I mean, do they, are they covered? In what ways are they covered? I mean, how do you know? The bandages are there. But all of a sudden, they realize, it dawns on them, that they have been healed, and they no longer have leprosy. The spongy tumors, perhaps, are gone. I don't know to what, to what damage had been done to their faces, or their bodies, or their fingers. I mean, what's happening here? I don't fully know. But they knew that they were healed. And I can imagine them all of a sudden looking at one another in amazement. And I think, I don't know at what speed they were heading off to see the priests. I don't know if they were running but I think they were running after, okay? It was like the last man of the priest, uh, as my dad used to say, he didn't include the priest, but the last one there is a rotten egg. Have you ever heard that? You know, so we would, he'd always say that. The last one of the truck is a rotten egg, and we'd race in the truck, you know. But the last one of the priest, I mean, it, I think it was an all-out sprint at that point because they were healed. And you can imagine what this must have been like. You have this miraculous healing in verse number 14. But, but I want to draw your attention to verses 15 and 16. Before we look at verses 15 and 16, can I just make one more statement about verse 14? As they went, they were healed. String together some, some, obedient, some steps of obedience this week in your life. God has spoken. You know his will. Do it. You're not going to feel like it. You're going to, you might even think, what's the point? Nothing's going to change. Obey him. Be thankful. 
Obey him. Be content. Now, he's not saying to you and me, go to the priest, go show yourself to the priest. That's not what he's saying. But he has spoken very clearly, as they went, they were healed. Okay? He's going to do the miraculous in your life and mine as we obey him. As we obey him. Uh, notice in verses 15 and 16, a thankful man. So we see this cry for mercy, and then a miraculous healing in verse 14. And then I notice a thankful man, and only one of them, verses 15 and 16. Look there. It says, and one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back. And with a loud voice, not a leprous voice, he glorified God. And fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks and he was a Samaritan. He's not a Jew. He's a Samaritan. And I see this thankful man, only one of them. How many lepers were cleansed here? Someone tell me of the children. How many, Will? Ten. Ten were cleansed. How many kept going to the priest? Jack? Nine. And how many come back? Only one, right? Carson, you knew that, right? All right, you, you knew it. All right. So he returns and he, he returns to give thanks. Verse 15, the beginning part says, And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back. He's full of joy. And you can imagine what this must have been like. This man has had no job. He hasn't been able to be around his family. He's a dead man walking. I mean, every day waking up knowing. I'm just one day closer to death. Another day without my family. Another day without seeming to have any purpose. Why am I even still alive? You know, I mean, they would have had thoughts of, I just want this to be over. One more day of suffering. But not this day. Not this day. He's full of joy. He's full of wonder. He can't hardly believe it. He's full of amazement. And I can imagine that he's trying to process what all, what all of this means. He was going to be able to go back to his family. He was going to be able to go back to his town, his friends. He's going to be able to live his life. He hasn't been able to live his life. He's going to be able to live. But he saw more than that. He saw a lot more. And the Bible says there that this leper was a Samaritan. But apparently this leper knew enough of the Old Testament to know that God was not just a healer. He wasn't just a healer of the physical but that he was a redeemer and that he was a savior. And notice in verse number 15, the latter part, it's, we see here that he cries out with a loud voice and he glorifies God. With a loud voice, he comes back. And the idea here is at the top of his lungs, he glorifies and he praises God. In other words, he knows where the power of his physical healing has come from. This is a miracle of God. Only God could do this. In verse number 16, the beginning part, it says there, and he fell down at his, on his face at his feet. This is a position of worship, giving him, Jesus, thanks. You know, it seems to me that the cleansed leper recognized Jesus to be God. Now, so many people during Jesus' earthly ministry saw Jesus with their eyes. They heard Jesus with their ears. They heard him teach. Wouldn't that have been amazing to sit and hear Jesus teach? That would have been amazing. They heard Jesus teach. They, they saw him feed thousands of people. They saw him do all kinds of incredible miracles. And people actually would come to see what Jesus was going to do next. Many, many, many people saw Jesus do incredible things. 
but did not recognize him as God. This man, only one out of ten, comes back to Jesus, glorifies God, bows down before the Lord Jesus Christ, and says thank you and, and is grateful. He thanked God. I notice a, a final miracle, a second miracle in all of this, in verse number 17. Look there with me. And Jesus answering said, Were there not ten cleansed? And where are the nine? And Jesus really asks two questions here. Uh, weren't there ten of you? Where are the other nine? Didn't I heal ten? Did he? Yes or no? He did. He healed ten men. Ten men. Ten men who were hopeless. Ten men who were suffering. Ten men who were lonely. Ten men who were discouraged beyond that. Ten men who had no hope. Christ healed ten of them, but only one of them returned. And he, and he takes note of this. Where are the nine? And sadly, the other nine didn't have any more use for the Lord Jesus Christ. They had gotten what they wanted out of him, right? They had no desire to worship him. They had no desire to glorify him. They had no desire to thank him. Now, I don't want to be too hard on them. Maybe I'm being too hard on them. But they had everything that they wanted out of him. And they weren't. They weren't willing to turn around. They weren't willing to say thank you. You and I have so much to be thankful for, and that is a fact. We have so much to be thankful for. And oftentimes the things that we're most concerned about are the things that are temporal, fleeting, passing. And so often the things that we have, the most valuable, most precious things... The inheritance that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ is the last thing on our minds. And we, I fear we rarely say thank you to, to God for what he has given to us and what, he, what we have in him. This is part of the reason why we struggle so much with joy. We're so consumed and fixated on being happy with our circumstances that we neglect to abide in his joy. That is the Lord Jesus Christ. They didn't see Jesus as God. They didn't glorify him as God. I don't know their hearts, but I know they're not here. I can see this man's heart as he comes back to the Lord Jesus Christ to say thank you, to praise him, to glorify him, to worship him. But, the, but these other nine aren't glorifying Jesus as God. And by the way, this was, this was the norm, frankly, during Jesus' earthly ministry. It was the dominant attitude amongst the Jewish people throughout Jesus' ministry their attitude was something like this. Well, we are God's people and God is God is giving us what we deserve and our souls are fine. They had no sense of sin. They were like the rich young ruler. No sense of remorse, no sense of desperation, a self-assurance. And, and, and they weren't looking for a savior from sin. They were looking for a political messiah. And I can't help but look at the nine and believe that the spirit of God would want us to see in those nine men the general attitude of the Jews toward Jesus. They also are representative representatives to us of our general attitude toward Jesus, I'm afraid. 
Lord, would you heal us? Lord, would you provide for our daily needs? Maybe give us a little extra. Would you deliver us from temptations that are so great that they would cause us harm that we obviously can see would cause us harm? Lord, would you do miracles in our lives and in our families? Would you restore relationships? But God, don't expect us to worship you. Don't expect us to stop our busy lives to praise you. Don't expect us to adore you above everything else. Don't expect us to say thank you. Don't expect us to acknowledge you and live every day like you are who you say you are, that you are God. This man broke the mold. And he falls on his face before the Lord Jesus Christ and he glorifies. He gives Christ the honor that he already has. Honor belongs to God. God is honorable. He is worthy of honor. The question is, will we give it to him? He was worthy of honor from the other nine, but they didn't give it to him. He was worthy of honor from this man, and this man did give it to him. And you and I can honor him, and we can glorify him, and we can thank him, and we can worship him. And the other nine fellows, where are they? Well, they're running to the temple, as Jesus has commanded Right? They need to be cleared by the priests so they can go back to their normal lives. And they're full, sure, they're full of excitement and they're full of enthusiasm. And perhaps they're intending to worship God at the temple. Right? That would make sense to worship the Lord at the temple. But sadly, they missed an opportunity to worship the Lord face to face. Think about it. The Samaritan who wasn't allowed into the inner court of the temple walked right in to the Holy of Holies, into the presence of Almighty God himself. And he got on his knees and he worshipped the Lord Almighty. He went back to the creator of the heavens and the earth. And he fell on his face before him and he praised him and glorified him and thanked him. And he did so in faith. Look at verse number 18. Verse 18 says this, Jesus speaking here, he says, There are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. The word stranger there means foreigner or this man of another race. The Samaritan, right? This man who's, in the from the Jewish mindset, not one of God's people. Uh, from their attitude, it would almost be not one that God would concern himself with. Not one of the chosen of Israel. I'm reminded of that sad statement recorded in John 1.11 where he says, He came unto his own, and his own received him not. Look at verse number 19 as we close. Verse 19 says this, And he said unto him, Jesus speaking, Arise. Can you just imagine this man? He's not getting up. Jesus has to tell him, Stand up. This man is broken. His life is completely, his life is, he has life. Formerly death, now life. He's not getting up and Jesus has to tell him, rise, get, get up, stand up. Go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. Thy faith hath saved you. And he's not just talking about faith from leprosy here, or faith in, in the, the master's words to go with the rest of the group. 
show yourself to the priest and kind of a wing and a prayer. Maybe something good will happen. Maybe the priests are not going to see some things. I don't know. They obeyed the Lord. This man goes and sees what happens. He turns around, comes back, falls down, worships the Lord. And I believe there's a warning to take from this passage here. You know, God makes the sun to rise on all of us. He makes the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. He say he delivered from leprosy ten men, but only one man believed upon the Lord Jesus Christ for the salvation of his soul out of those ten in this, in this narrative. You know, God's good to all men, and we can be blessed by God on earth, in an earthly, physical way, and we can walk away from the truth. We can neglect it, we can disobey it, and many do. God is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance, and yet all do not come to repentance. And God provides for for all men. He gives them jobs, he gives them intellect and work and ability and the ability to do the work that he gives us to do. He he provides for us in so many ways, and not just for God's people, not just for the saved, but for the unjust as well. But the the scary part here is God can provide salvation, but not everyone receives it. And the miracle that he did for this man, he will do for anyone who will believe on on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He will save a man from death and hell who's a leper, and he will save a man from death and hell who is an American, who's rich or poor, who's young or old. Jesus Christ saves. Maybe there's someone here this afternoon and you have never believed upon the Lord Jesus Christ for the salvation of your soul. Believe upon Jesus Christ. He and he alone can save your soul. He is the only one who could save my soul, and he did. He's the only one who could save this leper's soul, and he did. And the man rises up and he goes his way. I, I, I am also reminded as I think about this passage in verse number 19, and just how he comes back and he thanks the Lord. Um, for those of us who are saved, I would encourage, I would encourage and challenge you Instead of dwelling on all of the things you don't have or all the things that you want, that we praise God for all that he is, how he never leaves us nor forsakes us, how he is good to us, how his ways are our best and right. And he makes no mistake. He's made no mistake. Not one mistake in your life or in mine. We ought to get on our face before him. We ought to say thank you. Thank you for not leaving me when I've made all my mistakes. Thank you not for not forsaking me. Thank you for not leaving me when I've wandered and I've distrusted you when you are so trustworthy. We ought to thank him. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word this afternoon. Bless us as we go from this place. Lord, thank you for your goodness. And uh, Lord, your thoughts toward us that are more than can be numbered. 
your love for us that is so unfailing, your faithfulness to us. Never leaving us nor forsaking us. Father, I pray that we'd be a grateful people. Lord, I pray this for myself specifically. Help us to be content with such things as we have. Help us to find time and take time, whether we can get on our face before you physically or it becomes a part of who we are. We're characterized as this man, this saved man, this former leper was, as a man who is grateful and thankful, trusting you, glorifying you. May this be said of us, I pray in Christ's name. You are dismissed. Lord bless you.